Chapter 21, Brief Intermissions. Shifting focus away from hell and moving back to the living world, our two finest friends, Harry and Liana, walked casually yet anxiously past several police officers and detectives, followed closely by Harry's police friends. Alright, here's the game plan, Harry whispered, leaning in close so Liana could listen. I make a big stink about something everyone in this office is going to hate, some kind of sports or politics argument, then you slip by. And Max over there, Harry said, pointing over to a burly police officer with a well-trimmed mustache, will help you into the holding cells and then keep watch. Signal is three clicks, two footstops if someone gets near. The lawyer nodded and turned down one of the aisles past a box of donuts, where she grabbed a strawberry-flavored treat and nibbled on the frosting as the precinct exploded into chaos behind her, with people throwing mugs and pens and everyone getting riled up. It looked as if Harry's distraction had worked quite well. As Liana walked down the hallway, her heels clicking in uniform pattern, adjusting her own spectacles, Max followed from a safe enough distance, making sure that Liana always rounded the corner before he did. And finally, as Liana approached the holding cells right before storage, Max unclipped a key from his belt, rounding the corner, and he bumped into the lawyer, spilling coffee all over his suit. This was to trip up the cameras in the halls, make it seem more authentic. The police officer staggered back, clutching his suit. Oh, I'm so sorry, miss. Are you here for that interview? Liana sighed and brushed some of the stains from her olive green suit. I was until you showed up. Max winked, then grabbed the key firmly in one hand, twisting on the lock. Sorry about that, my lady. Head on in for the interview. I'll be just a moment. Max turned and walked back towards the precinct to grab a donut, and Liana turned into the holding cells, closing the door firmly behind her. The room was dimly lit, with only a few lights to its name. A bench sat against one wall, and cells with no lights at all hung in silence on the other side. They lined the walls, most of them being empty, except for one, which held a soft and lulling tune. Liana approached with caution, trying not to make too much sound despite her heels. But as she rounded the cell door, she found herself face to face with the Crimson Stripe, the murderer who had been accused of killing her friend. Shockingly, this criminal was quite young, but extremely well kept, especially for a prison cell, with parted hair, a red highlighted suit and tie, and tapping his polished shoes on the floor. As the lawyer grew close, the humming stopped, as did his tapping feet. When the Crimson Stripe looked up, setting his mask down on the bench beside him, he let out a slow smile. Ah, it was only a matter of time before some press showed up. What do you want with me now? Liana stood up straight, setting her clipboard down on the bench nearby. Hmm, my name is Liana. I was a friend of Jack Masterson, and I'd like your professional opinion on his topic. The Crimson Stripe sat forward, intrigued, as his eyes narrowed. Masterson. I recall the name, but it's been a little bit. Liana shook off the stray thought and continued to her point. We were very close. I was his lawyer during a court case, before he was executed. When he died, I suspected foul play on the police's behalf. I want you, this time, to act as a witness. Stripe raised an eyebrow, confused. So you're a lawyer? And exactly what, if I may be so bold? The murderer commented, sitting forward and crossing his hands. Do you mean by this time? Back out in the precinct hallway, 
The burly police officer stood guard, eating a chocolate-striped donut and watching the slowly dying chaos back in the main office. But as he turned to his right, he saw the captain exit from his office, walking towards the holding cells. As he walked, the captain seemed to enjoy the idea of keeping a hand on his gun, something that Max certainly didn't want. The police officer looked to the left at Harry, who didn't let it slip by. And the engineer made his move, ducking past the desk and using some sleight of hand to snatch the captain's gun, and he emptied out the bullets into his hand before quietly clipping the gun back into its holster and sliding it back into the captain's hand. Meanwhile, Max did put on his best show to keep the captain busy. Morning, sir, he nodded, saluting. Anything to report? The captain looked up, concerned and disgruntled. Shouldn't you be downstairs? I thought the 17th precinct need that file ASAP. Max, who kept his cool, nodded, and gave his little signal while waving his arms back and forth slightly. Oh, oh, right. I was on my way to grab a snack before finishing up that paperwork. Thanks for reminding me, sir. The captain groaned and then turned down the hallway as Harry reemerged from the break center. He made his way over to Max, who stared with grim intent at the hallway. Even if the strug doesn't cooperate, you can put yourself a witness, Harry, Max growled before returning to his desk. Inside the holding cell, Liana shook her head in agreement. <sighs> exactly. I'm trying to expose the police force at not-so-fast hotshot. The lawyer stopped mid-stride, her pacing ending as well. She turned to the cell, this time her being confused. I'm sorry, what? she asked. The stripe stood up from his hunched-over position and grabbed his mask, sliding the patchwork hood and the strange burlap sack over his face. Let me give you some advice, kid. The murderer commented, leaning his hand against the iron rail as he flattened his face through the bars. If you're going to expose the fuzz, this is not the way to do it. I see where this is going and I support you, but know that you'll need way more than me if this is going to work. Liana took in a sigh of relief and knelt down to scoop up her clipboard from the bench. So you're in. Stripe returned to his seat, scratching his chin. Yes. Liana nodded, and she left the holding cell quickly and quietly. Stripe, on the other hand, only smiled. He knew exactly what had happened that night, the night he was found. The detective had been killed, he was captured, and caught. Any ordinary bystander would call it there and back off. But this newcomer, something seemed very different to him about this. All he had to do was say that he didn't kill the guy, and not only did that bring the whole force crashing down, but it also guaranteed his freedom. There were other murder cases, but he digressed, and sat down, humming his tune again. As Liana continued past the cell doors, entering the hallway again, she was stopped by the police chief, who happened to be walking by. Ah, you must be the new interviewer! The police chief held out his sausage-like fingered hand, and the two shook hands vigorously. Did you already get all the info you need for that report? Liana, who looked innocent and felt great, nodded and walked by. I did, Captain, she said, adjusting her glasses with a slow smile on her face. I certainly did. Chapter 22 Showtime The great day and event was finally upon hell, the day the Sin Hunter was supposed to be marched across the city to Lucifer's door. Azazel, who had run out of ideas, was forced to improvise. He panicked in his throne room, pacing back and forth, scratching his fiery chin. Okay, 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 okay. Slow down, slow down. We can make this work. It has to be fast, it has to be... Something quick, something snappy. What do we got? 
What can we do? Come on, think. Of course, that's it. The Lord of Wrath nodded, snapping his fingers. Conjuring some fiery magic from his hand, he used a wish from Lucifer to summon a carbon, biochemical copy of the Sin Hunter, head to toe. One-to-one replicas come few and far between, but this was certainly one for the ages. The only noticeable difference between the Sin Hunter and this faker was that there were some red flames on the replica's pants and trench coat. But Avery managed to splash some mud onto the pants and use scissors to clip off the flames. This, as a result, gave the dummy-like thing a more tattered appearance, which Azazel and Avery hoped would be enough. They hurried with the dummy down to their armored truck, and upon reaching the entrance to his fortress, Azazel threw the body through the doors and vaulted into the back, slamming the doors shut behind him. All right, the Lord of Wrath said, clapping his hands. All that's left now is to get him closer to Wrath. Once we get him there, we have to be able to get him to Lucifer's door without anybody noticing. No doubt one of my siblings is looking to put up a fight. So unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this episode. Uh, yeah. Kind of short, I do understand. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Sorry if I sound a little bit tired as well. I've been dealing with a bit of burnout, and boy. In any case, thank you all so much for sticking close. I can't describe enough how much it means to me that people actually listen to my podcast. It's a wonderful experience, and I love to hear that people are enjoying it. I got nothing else to say. I'd like to say that I'm like Tom Brady and I have this long list of people pulled up on my phone ready to thank for all the awards and the Academy and whoever else, but eh, I got nothing left to say. In any case, thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Sorry if the episode's a bit slow, but don't worry, we'll get back to it.